37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is episode 151, and that makes it part two of our four-year anniversary listener story extravaganza. We're going to kick things off this episode with a listener story voicemail sent in to us from Justin. And now I actually got this story sent in to us just after we finished recording both episodes of the uh, four-year anniversary special. But, Justin, don't worry. I will definitely make sure the guys hear this, and then we'll give it a quick chat uh, on episode 152 when we get back together after this episode posts. So thanks again for sending in, and let's kick things off with Justin. Hi, my name is Justin. I uh, reached out to you guys on Facebook last night. I had been wanting to uh, give you one of my listener stories. I've been listening to your show for about three weeks. And I work third shift, so it's nice to have something like that to listen to, kind of pass the time and everything. You guys have been really entertaining. So first of all, I just want to say thank you. Uh, Anyway, I don't know how long I have to do this, so I'll just go ahead and get started. Uh, The first story I'm going to tell you is from when I moved to Nebraska. I grew up in north-central Kansas in a small town, and about halfway through my sophomore year, uh, my stepdad, who's in the military, ended up getting stationed up outside of Omaha, so we moved into another small town just south of Omaha. We moved in to a house that had a concrete driveway that led to the side of the house and connected to a much larger slab of concrete that served as about two-thirds of our backyard, and naturally, you know, I was like 16. I wasn't the most athletic person on the planet or anything, but I enjoyed playing sports with my friends and stuff, so we uh, set up a basketball goal back there, and it didn't take me very long to make friends uh, when I moved up there. I'm a pretty outgoing guy, and after making a few friends, now, you know, one thing leads to another, you obviously got a freaking backyard that's concrete and a basketball goal, you're going to have your friends come play fucking basketball, so that's what we did. Played some basketball, and some of us couldn't help but notice that, like, no matter where the ball went, it was rolling back to us at a unnaturally fast speed. And when I say every single time, I mean every single time that the ball rolled away from us, it rolled back to us. And, you know, I tried to figure it out, like, oh, gosh, it must be, you know, it must be an uneven slab or something like that. But it didn't really matter where the ball wound up. It would roll back to us it, to the point where one of my friends, we'll just call him Rick, uh, got extremely freaked out about it and left. He was like, I don't, I don't want to play anymore. A lot of my friends thought it was funny. We thought it was cool. And we kept doing it. He, he was freaked the hell out. And he was like, okay, I'm going. I'm not I'm not going to do this anymore. He never played basketball in my backyard again, actually, and still talks to me about it to this day Anytime I go up there to visit family and run into him. Uh, that being said, I did have a couple of friends who thought it was really cool, and they would come over to play basketball with me more often. 
So yeah, Rick would, uh, we'll call him Rick, would uh, literally every time I go up to Nebraska to visit, he brings it up. Like if I run into him, he'll say, hey, play basketball with any ghosts lately? Like it's one of his go-to things to say to me. Uh, which at that point, you know, we didn't know what was going on and all of us being pretty logical thinkers and none of us really believing in anything like that just instantly went to uh, something about the way the backyard is set up. There's something not level. This must be the center point, you know, where we decided to put the basketball goal. Long story short, we moved the basketball goal a few times. Same shit happened every time. The ball would roll back to us. It would gain momentum as it was rolling back to us. Uh, and what I would say is unnatural. Like, it shouldn't be picking up speed the way it did when it would roll back to us. Uh, well, after that uh, experience, uh, I don't know, probably a month or so went by, uh, roughly. And I would go, I went downstairs one day. We had a cavity under our stairwell that could be used for storage, or under our staircase, I'm sorry, that could be used for storage. Uh, and the last people that had lived in the house had left a box back under there. And so I got curious and I dug through it and I found this leather strap um, that had a huge lead weight in the bottom of it. It was almost like like a, you know, it's like a, a straight strap and then it rounded off at the bottom to a larger circle that had a huge lead weight in it. It was probably about six, six to ten pounds, I'd say. And just looked like something out of like, like a BDSM catalog or some shit, but clearly too heavy to be used for something like that. So I showed it to my parents. I was freaked the fuck out. I was like, what the hell is this? You know? And, my mom was like, I, I don't know. Where'd you find it? I explained it to her and everything. She's like, all right, well, give it to me. And, you know, never thought of it again, never saw it again. But then uh, one morning I woke up and there was a figure standing at the foot of my bed. It was like a little girl, I'd probably say around the age between between probably four and six years old. Um, little girl standing there in a pretty contemporary outfit, I would say. Um, I know earlier probably than the mid-90s or so. It was like one of those long T-shirts that almost looks like a dress that little girls wear to bed. Basically a long fucking T-shirt that looks like a dress. You get the point. Um, and I, I saw her there, and it... I mean, it kind of freaked me out, but at the same time, I was like, you know, a little girl. So I wasn't, like, intimidated or scared. It was just kind of caught me off guard because I literally just woken up. And uh, at that point, you know, I, I kind of, like, rubbed my eyes and shit to see what's going on. Like, am I still asleep or whatever? And uh, she's still standing there when I'm done. So I'm like, what the fuck? And I say, can I help you? And she doesn't say a goddamn thing. She just keeps looking at me. So I get out of my fucking bed, and I crawl out the side of my bed, obviously, because she's standing at the foot of it. And I leave my room to go grab my mom to be like, you know, did one of my little brothers have a friend over last night or something? Because she's in my room. She's giving me the fucking grief. So I go to tell my parents that. And, you know, 
my mom comes in the room with me and there's no little girl. But at this point, I knew I was awake. I knew I wasn't dreaming because I had gotten up and talked to my mom about it. So, you know, I was like, okay, well, I don't know what the fuck happened. She's always kind of been more spiritual and believes in stuff like that more than I do. I've always been more of a skeptic. Uh, to be honest, I listen to you guys' show because of the alien content, not because of ghosts or anything like that. Um, so I, you know, I didn't really know what to make of it or what to think of it, but I got talking to my neighbor because I hadn't lived there for that long, but he was in the grade above me, so I saw him at school and stuff a lot. But I started talking to him and trying to get more information about the person that lived in the house before me. He said, you know, it's really weird. He's like, that guy was always an asshole. And he's like, I feel like he always treated his kids like shit. And he said, and they poured that big-ass slab of concrete and built a shed over it, like, probably five to six months before they moved out. He's like, I thought it was just crazy that they would undergo a big, costly operation like that just to fucking move out. And when they moved, they took the shed with them. So I don't know. There might have been some foul play or something behind that. Maybe he did say he had a little girl about the same age as the girl that I saw. And he said that when they moved, it was very sudden and it happened in a hurry. So I don't know. You know, take it for what it's worth. Again, I don't really have anything to confirm this or whatever, but that's what I experienced. So I thought I'd share it with you guys. Ah, now you guys probably noticed that Google voicemail stopped right before he finished his tale. But he did message us the epilogue. So he says, I was going to mention that I described the little girl to my neighbor, and he said that that was a pretty close description to the old resident's daughter, and he hadn't even seen the kids come outside for several months, and he still hadn't seen them when they moved. It's probably not connected, but still makes a guy wonder. Fresh poured concrete? No one's seen the kids? And I had a ghost child in my fucking room. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Justin. All right, and it's Hot Potato and Steve. It's your turn because this story was sent to you. Hell yeah, but my buddy Headset Jones. Yeah, hell yeah. Shout out to Headset Jones. Speaking of podcasts, dude, this dude, me and this dude, been knowing each other for for years in the podcast game. It's insane. He's finally, he's doing real good, and he's a really good friend of mine, and I'm really proud of him. So shout out to you, man. So he said on Facebook, he said, this can be my listener story. Now I'm going to read it just how he says it on here. Do you want me to uh, read what... um, no, all good. Nope, just just read it read it slow and go for it. He says, so when I was 15, we just moved into a new rented house. I woke up for school early one day at around 4 a.m. and went to the shower. While waiting to, for the water to get warm, I heard what I thought to be voices, but speaking in a different language. It sounded possibly Asian, maybe Vietnamese of some sort. I turned off the water to get a better listen, and indeed heard the voices of two men and a younger boy speaking in a different language outside my bathroom door. I had my phone and called my brother who was asleep with his wife in the room across the hall and warned him of people inside the home. He did a sleep at the house with a firearm 
and knocked on the door when he was done. Nobody was found. I was left feeling like an idiot for waking him up for nothing and still get made fun of to this day for being for hiding like a bitch in the bathroom. <laughs> but hey, man, he had a gun and I didn't. So I didn't have shit. So what the fuck was I going to do? You heard? <laughs> anyway, right. Anyways, I was sober during this and because... <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't engage in some things. I was sober during this. I, I would hope so with you, that young dude, and can only and at th- four in the morning, bro. <laughs> yeah, at four in the morning, <laughs> ready for school. Uh, and can only <laughs> think it maybe was the way the water was moving in pipes, possibly. What? What? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's, it's funny because I could just I picture him speaking this and like me and him going back and forth and me saying to him. You you heard water going through pipes, and you thought they were speaking Vietnamese language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's a very very identifiable language. It does. I've never heard water in like thirty five <laughs> years. It sounded like any kind of Vietnamese uh, dialect yeah. at all. But uh, uh, <laughs> who knows, man? I it, I this story's awesome. Uh, but I never ruled out ruled out that. But maybe something was coming through from the other side. Ooh, cue the creepy intro music. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yep. Now I replied to him, and I'll tell a little story at the end of this because I told him for sharing that embarrassing story, I'd share an embarrassing story of my own at the end here. So. Cool. Yeah. But go ahead. He's, he's he, got. He's got. He followed up. We kept talking. After yeah. That, yeah. So. He yeah, kept talking about it, and I like reading this because I. Uh, I like. I, I, I just know him so well and how he talks and stuff. So uh, he basically, him and Sean go back and forth and he says, uh, he shout out, he loved the show and he just finished the Thunderbird story um, episode today. So he loved that topic. He says, yeah, dude, I don't know, man, what the fuck? <laughs> Maybe I was just stressed about school and tripping him own right. But yeah, who knows? Either way, I had it happen one other time in the same place, but just didn't react to it. Then I moved and never heard anything weird ever again. So I don't know. The the owners were foreign, but I think they were Indian, but whatever. Just sketched me out the first time cuz like a week before we found a screwdriver by my front door and we didn't use that we didn't use and like marks on all around the door like someone was trying to break in. So that's where my mind went when I heard voices. Just thought people were robbing a place they thought people were still moving into or something, which does happen a lot. When uh, oh, yeah, people think sure. a place is vacant, you know, for so long, and they go there and they're like, "Oh shit, it's actually somebody living here." Um, yep. Because, anyways, can't wait to hear more. Uh, can we hear everyone's stories? Ghost stories and stuff are my favorite, and everyone seems to have at least something that happens to them once in their lives. Besides me, sad face. That was my antidote, <laughs> not him. Um, so yeah, thanks, thanks, uh, Headset Jones for for writing in, man. That's awesome. It's yep. it's oh, yeah. it's crazy too because like. Uh, Henderson man, like he he was there when I first met Headset Jones. <laughs> like you know, that's wow. why I was hoping he was gonna be on here tonight, so he mm-hmm. so he could mm-hmm. see this and he could throw in some little jokes and stuff like that. But thanks for thanks for uh, writing in, man, and and I we really appreciate the support. Yep, um, I <laughs> I told him I'd include an embarrassing story of my own because as he and I are going back and forth, I cut out some of the dialogue, but he talks about just what it's like to be standing there. It's butt ass naked. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> just run out in the hallway and confront, you know, whoever's in my house, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, one time, this had to have been probably 2004 or 2005. Shayla and I, we'd already graduated high school. Um, we had just gone out and saw a movie or something, or I had just got off of work and came by. And anyway, Shayla was at the house by herself. Her sister and I think her mom went to Texas, and her dad is working an overnight at the refinery. 
And so, you know, her mom asked if I got off work, if I'd run home and just do a sweep of the house, just make sure the doors were locked and everything for her. And so I came over and like, we're walking around through the house and I'm getting ready to leave. And I thought, well, let me just go over and check the garage door real quick because they had, you know, the door that goes from the kitchen into the garage. So I walk over and I grab it just nonchalantly and go to turn it. And you know how it feels like if you're in a room and you've got your hand on the door handle and you're trying to hold it so somebody else can't turn it to get in? That's what happened. I went to grab the door to go into the garage. It turned about a third of a turn and then it slowly tightened up. Damn. I thought, what the f- what the fuck? So like, I grabbed it again and I twisted it two or three times and it kept going a little bit and it would slowly tighten. And instantly, blood just chills and I'm like, somebody's in the garage holy shit so like instantly i said get a knife and so shayla grabs a big butcher knife out of the uh, the drawer and hands it to me and i'm sitting there trying as hard as i can to turn this damn doorknob and it just won't turn so i get on the phone and the phone's right there by the door and i call her dad and i'm like hey i'm at the house i'm just kind of walking through because kathleen wanted me to come in here and take a look around somebody's in your garage And he's like, what? And I'm doing my best not to panic, but I'm like, someone's in the garage. I'm standing here. I'm trying to turn this thing. Somebody's on the other side of the door. And I'm like, I know you're in there, blah, 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 because I'm I'm sure somebody's on the other side of this damn door. And Jimmy's like, no, nobody's, no one's in the house. Like the, the, no, no one's in the house. And I'm like, yeah, somebody's in here. And he's like, well, I don't know. Uh, What do you want to do? And I said, should I call the cops? You know, (laughs) because. Why is he so chill? (laughs) Because he knows I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So it's so Jimmy, so he's funny. I hang funny. up the phone with him. Yeah, I hang up the phone with him, and then I go to turn the door handle one more time the opposite way, and it comes right open, <laughs> and the door opens, and there's just an empty-ass garage, and for whatever reason, the door handle was sticking. The door handle has just had like a little... Oh, uh, damn. Yeah, it just caught, and it wouldn't turn all the way, like something was getting hung That's up inside hilarious. of it. And I had only turned it that one direction three times, counterclockwise. I never tried turning it the other way. So, headset Jones, there you go, bud. That's awesome. <laughs> Been there, done that. That story's pretty much up there with the fucking onion story, dude. The onion.com story. <laughs> Michael Jackson. I know. Oh, so good. So, of course, I mean, I'm very humble, and I, I like to take it just as much as I dish it out. I called her dad back and told him what happened, and then... Didn't hear the end of it for several months. Because <laughs> I'm just standing there, knife in hand, like just getting ready to, to stab somebody. And uh, no, it's just me and my stupidity. So Was it a butter knife? Nah, it was a big butcher knife, man. I play for keeps. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said earlier, guys, we're going to have some vindication in this uh, episode as well. I told my buddy Tony's story about how he experienced something strange in his old duplex and how he got it on with a ghost. And apparently, I told my truth of what I remembered, but apparently it wasn't right. So, Tony's here to set the record straight. He says, I want to preface this story by saying that although I'm extremely interested in hearing different stories about paranormal and all things high strangeness, I'm not much of a believer Although the following story did happen to me exactly as I will describe, I'm sure that there is some sort of rational explanation to what I saw. I did experience some form of mid-sleep paralysis and sleepwalking as a kid, and I'm sure this could be tied to one of those type of episodes. Also, I typed this out on my phone in between tasks at work, so please forgive any errors or autocorrects that fat thumbs may have caused. 
A little over 15 years ago, I lived with a roommate in a small duplex. Our house quickly became a regular hangout for our group of friends. And it was not unusual at all for people to pop in and out regularly throughout the night to see if there's anything going on. I was working retail at the time and typically got home from work to find several of my friends hanging out, drinking, or listening to music. On one evening while getting ready to leave work, I was informed that I had to return exceedingly early the next morning for an unusual day shift. I got home and saw there were several friends already waiting to start the evening. I explained that unfortunately I had to go to sleep and made my way to bed. I had not been in bed for long when I noticed someone enter my bedroom. As I explained before, it wasn't unusual for people to pop in and out of the house throughout the night, so when I noticed that I was not alone in the room, there was no cause for alarm. I saw a girl, short in stature, with dark hair, walk into the room and stand by my bed. This could have been one of two friends that I had at the time, but in the dark, I couldn't make out which one of them it was. I didn't want to call her out by the wrong name. <laughs> what a gentleman. <laughs> I, know the, I, didn't I, want to, I know the two friends he's describing. <laughs> right, right. I didn't want to call her out by the wrong name, so when I sat up in bed, I just said, Hey, what's going on? There's no answer, though. The girl walked around my bed and sat down at my feet. I felt the bed move with her weight, and I sat up and I rubbed my eyes and thought to myself that something must be wrong. I asked further, What's going on? Is everything okay? There was no reply. At that point, the figure stood up and took two steps backward from my bed and disappeared into fucking nothingness. Oh, hell no, dude. I could not process what I was seeing. I stood up and looked around, thinking somehow she was just hidden and I had missed her movements in the dark. I thought that I must have just been messed with. I turned on the light and I was completely alone in the room. I was a little freaked out, but was attempting to rationalize in my mind what had just happened. I returned to bed with the lights on, and immediately began to feel a tugging at my shorts. Bet. I remember frantically brushing my hands down <laughs> my legs in an attempt to bat away from my invisible tormentor, but the tugging continued until I got out of bed. I went back into the living room where the same few people were still sitting around talking. I remember sitting in the living room silently trying to work through the event in my head. I did eventually tell my friends, which of course led to days of ridicule about me having my pants pulled down by some random ghost girl. Yup, he did. Nothing like this has ever happened to me since, but I still can't explain exactly what happened to me to my own satisfaction. Do you feel bad for ridiculing him now? No, not at all. <laughs> so I, I'm confused on the story that you told. So like when you told it, were you trying to say that his dick was getting tugged on? Like he was getting a ghost handy because you made it sound like your original story. Like he got some ghost nookie nookie. No, I don't know. I, sh I should have found out what episode that was. No, when I told the story, I just mentioned that he thought he had okay. a ghost tugging at his shorts. And dude, not only that, but as much as they ridiculed him, I never heard these jokes. The then again, I didn't really start hanging out with that group of friends till after this era. I, I, yeah, it would have been after yeah. the duplex, probably. And uh, yep. so, like, they would have busted his balls so bad that so many stories would have been going oh, yeah. around. <laughs> so, like, mm -hmm, the details mm -hmm. would have definitely been fuzzy to Sean. 
but definitely not to Tony. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's just cue the uh, cue the Ghostbusters scene with uh, Dan Aykroyd laying in the bed. Yeah, yeah, no shit. That's crazy, (laughs) man. Yeah, that's nuts. Uh, Thanks for sitting. I don't know what would what would Um, be more what would be more like mind blowing to you. The ghost tugging at your shorts, trying to like get what it feels like, take advantage of you, or mm-hmm. you saying, "Hey, what's wrong?" And then the thing gets up and then just fucking right fades there. in the dark. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, that would be way more crazier yeah. than something trying yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, the pants tugging <sighs> yeah. is a close second, but that would be nuts, dude. I'd be like, dude, at to that, me, at that, that point, I would have been like, "All right, I'm gonna head out." Like, I would have just went out there and like chilled with the friends. <laughs> And be like, hey, y'all got to go. I'm sleeping on the couch. Because <laughs> I've been in a cemetery before where I've, I've had my shirt tugged on several times. And a, as it happened, like, mm-hmm. I try to rationalize it in my head. Like, you know, it's a, a loose dress shirt, so it's just, like, the wind. And then when I went back and played the EVP, there was a voice that said, like, a hand, like, right as I was getting tugged on. Um, so for me, like I was able to rationalize that. So that's not like as freaky, but to actually see somebody fucking dissipate into nothing, I'd be like, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. hold the fucking phone. We need to get the exorcist in this joint. Damn, dude. I want to go do that shit with you, man. Yeah. Do you always get dressed up when you go to the cemeteries? Well, I got off work and I, you know, I just was like, fuck it. And it's late at night on the way home. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop and talk to some ghosts, you know? <laughs> Fuck it! I'm wearing a button down. I should head to the cemetery. So, oh man, you you do that shit alone too? I don't think I could do that alone. What's the worst that can happen? Uh, possession, possession rape, like nah, it'd be all right. attacked by a wolf. Like, I mean, there's so many possibilities. Yeah, I see my share of weird stuff with Tony at a cemetery. I wouldn't go by myself. <laughs> yeah, like no shit. <laughs> I don't, I don't right. like for me I don't have like I can go to cemetery dark I've been I've done that situation but like actively going there with like a recorder and the intent to contact something I don't know just be weird especially I mean it would probably wouldn't be weird for me no actually it probably wouldn't be weird for me going there and doing that because I've never experienced anything like that but Preston's experienced so many mm. things like to me that would make it more that much more terrifying so, but I don't can know. I splice in my own listener story here real quick yeah, Preston, go ahead, man. Tell us your story. When I got started, like, with the paranormal, as far as, like, you know, ghost hunting goes, um, that um, was Paranormal Witness on Sci-Fi. I was watching that one night, and um, the very first episode is about this girl in New Mexico, and she's, like, a single mother, and um, they're, they're, she's being haunted by this spirit of an old man in the house. And the first couple episodes of that series uh, really, you know, I guess hit with me because they actually showed like real photos. They had real recordings. Uh, it wasn't as hokey as like Ghost of mm-hmm. Adventures or like, you know, Dildo Baggins on, a, you know. Dildo Baggins. Are you talking about the episode where the uh, the film guy gets tied up in wires up in the attic? Yeah, that one right there. Yeah. And I had this shadow uh, shadow person experience when I was younger of this hand dropping out of the ceiling and like waving at me and then it like sucked itself back into the blackness and like disappeared. So at the very end of that on the recreation they showed this hand dropping down out of the attic and closing the attic lid. Ooh. And so that just kind of He fucking sunk into his couch. Holy Yeah, shit. it just really <laughs> resonated with me and I started getting like the goosey bumps and I'm just like fuck and so it got me on that that 
line of thought that, okay, so on this episode, you had this evidence, they, they were able to prove it through a recording. So if all these other fuckwads can go out there with an EVP recording and do this and then say, like, I caught this stuff, it's real, then I should be able to do it myself and prove <laughs> hey, to myself. Hey, I'm a fuckwad, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can shove a pencil all the way to my brain. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I did. And so I started going to cemeteries. I started getting, like, you know, a little bit of hits here and there. Like, not great EVPs, but just enough for my own vindication. Like, okay, this is this yeah. is real. And um, so my my uncle, who's kind of like my dumped uncle, he's just somebody who's like really close to the family, and he's been more of an uncle than you know my real uncles have been. And anyways, his dad had passed away, so we're going to Augusta to to his funeral, um, his dad's funeral. And my aunt had fucked up on the time, so we had like the little family luncheon, and then the actual service wasn't for like another hour. So she's like, uh, I mean, I guess everybody meet up in an hour. So my brother was with me, and he's like, well, what the fuck are we going to do for an hour? And, you know, I had my bag of ghost hunting equipment in the trunk of my car. <laughs> I thought so you were going like, to say I had my bag of pencils. <laughs> yeah, I have a bag of pencils. You got $5, motherfucker? <laughs> and, oh, my God. And so I'm like, let's go up to the cemetery. And this whole entire time, he is just fucking ragging on me. Like, dude, you're fucking crazy. This is all bullshit. Like, you know, I'm Buddhist, so I don't believe in any of this crap. And I'm like, just look, go with me. We got an hour. Let me show you what I do. And if we get anything, because you're rational, I you can try to explain it away. But I'm telling you, this shit's real. So uh, we went to Kushner Cemetery, uh, which is kind of out in the middle of the, of the country. You know, you go down this dirt road and just kind of out. I know where that's at. Yeah. And uh, so we. I know somebody's buried there. We uh, we get out and um, I start to do my thing where I'm like, you know, um, if anybody's currently here with us and is willing and wanting to communicate, you know, please use all of your energy. We don't mean you any disrespect. We're just trying to get further knowledge about the afterlife. So if you could just give me something, you know, tell me when you died. So I did that a couple times. And then, you know, the next part of the cemetery, I'm like, listen, my brother who's here, he's a non-believer. Again, we don't we don't mean you any disrespect. Just with all of your energy, just leave us something so I can prove to him that this is real. So the whole entire time we're walking around like each corner of the cemetery and it's just me. It's just my brother. And I keep saying the same thing. I like he's a non-believer. Just leave me something to prove to him that this is real. Hour goes by, we pack up, go to the, the the funeral service, and then the next day I started to load up the audio into the computer, and about 30 minutes in, you hear me say, you know, just leave me something, just anything, and this very heavy electronic male voice goes, Christ is dead. So I fucking chopped that up, sent it to my brother, emailed it, and said, fucking explain it, motherfucker, and he couldn't do it, <laughs> and at that point he was hooked. And we started ghost hunting together. Wow. That's so tight, dude. And from that point on, Delos Kane yeah. <laughs> was the greatest ghost hunting duo. I, I think I thought when this this story was gonna go, all right, so my uncle, like his uh, his grandpa died. Um, so I took this so I took the equipment to the thing and I, I, I went to where the grave plot was gonna be and like to try to interrogate <laughs> the other the other people next to him. I was like, Oh my god. And before we finish up this service, does anybody have any last things to say? He's not dead. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs>
let's uh, let's just jump back into it with something special. We got a buddy. He's written in several wonderful tunes for us. His name is Isaac. He is the Green Day musical spoof extraordinaire. He's already done a couple songs for us and other stuff. He's basically our bard. <laughs> yeah. He is, and I think he'd appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. <laughs> because the wizards need food badly. <laughs> um, so yeah, Isaac put together a fun little ditty here for us. So sit back, relax, and Professor Isaac is about to take you to school. Today I want to talk to you about cattle mutilations, aliens, and the Nazi threat that is lurking in other dimensions. In 1943, World War II was in full swing. The Nazis were still holding strong and America was doing its damnedest to supply not only our troops with food, but the British and Russian soldiers as well. This led to rationing on the home front. Meat, particularly red meat, was a staple of the American diet. Eat your steak and potatoes and grow up big and strong like Captain America. However, as more and more of the prime cuts were shipped to the boys on the front, Americans at home faced a dilemma. How were we going to get that good, good protein and iron-rich delicacy of the gods that we love so much if all them steaks is being shipped over to beat the Nazis? Well, interstage left the U.S. government. In 1943, the government launched a propaganda campaign to try and convince Americans to eat the swill that was left over after the choice cuts were taken away by the men in black rubber suits. So the slaughterhouses, they went and dusted off the previously unwanted bits and bites and trotted them out for the world to see and enjoy. Stomach, brains, tongue, kidneys, you know, the good stuff. Surprisingly, the campaign was quite effective and led to some dishes, like liver and onions, becoming popular and remaining a staple even after wartime rationing ended. Alright, enough with the real history. Let's get some buck-wild theories. Literally everyone knows that aliens visited Hitler and that a large part of the reason why the Germans were so successful and were working on advanced technologies was because they were working with the tall Nordic aliens. Jet engines, rockets, the Nazi bell, all the results of working with or reverse engineering alien technology. Now, let's talk about that bell, also known as the Wonder Waffle. Outsiders have long speculated that the bell was designed for space travel, and well, it may have been. However, the strange effects that the bell had on those close by are more indicative of transphasic interdimensional travel. The bell would fire up and enter an alternate dimension where time, distance, and even the laws of nature itself are different than our own. The strange effects, plants turn into gel and the like, are the direct results of them being phased out of this dimension, but not having the protection of the bell, and thus, goopifying. The Wonder Waffle was created using alien technology to phase into another dimension, where distance works differently, thus allowing the Nazis to disappear and then reappear in another place almost instantaneously. Now, what really happens is that the waffle phases out of our dimension, travels to its destination, and phases back into our dimension. Even in the 1940s, there was an intelligence that the Nazis were planning to attack the U.S. of A. 
everyone assumed that it would be an attack led by the U-boats and that it just never happened due to the war coming to an end. If Hitler had been allowed to continue on, the USA would eventually be a target for domination. The full invasion never took place, but an expeditionary force was launched using... Bum, bum, bum... The Waffle. In 1944, the Nazis sent three Oberwunder Waffles, which was a larger version of the Bell capable of holding a three-man crew of the Klein Soldat, or Little Soldiers. Their mission? Recon. They were there to survey the USA to determine the best place to launch an assault with larger waffles that were in development. The three waffles sent were named Torschel Splunnenack, Fernway, and O-Worm. The Uber waffle was capable of holding a three-man crew, but it still was not a large vehicle. There was not much space aboard, and it was decided that the crew would have to find food along the way. On July 3rd, 1944, Operation Cummerspect set out. Hitler himself watched the departure from a shielded bunker. The plan was for a six-month mission, and then returned to debrief. They had to ration their Zerum 525, and the longer the distance leapt, the more fuel was used. The waffle would phase into an alternate dimension where distance is more relative and time is altered, and then travel through that dimension and phase back into our dimension somewhere in the Midwest. To the Germans, the middle of the country made the most sense as the point to begin the invasion, as they would be able to entrench behind the more fortified coast of the U.S. and have a secure base of operations before the Americans even knew that the Nazis were around. Operation Cumberspect, henceforth referred to as Operation Cum, landed in Amelia, Nebraska at 6.14 p.m. They landed next to a small lake just to the east of town and set up camp. Waffle O'Worm was having some issues with malfunctioning equipment, and they had to perform repairs before they could set off. This period, referred to in the diaries of the crew as Operation Cum Amelia, was difficult for the Nazis. They sent one crew member into Amelia to buy food, where it was discovered that wartime rationing had made most cuts of meat unavailable, and only organ meats, as previously discussed, were available. It took the crewmen over a month to repair Waffle O'Worm, and during that time they learned to enjoy eating the organ meat. Hell, more than that, they fell in love with it. Now, with the repairs to Waffle O'Worm completed, they were ready to head to their next stop, New Mexico. Unbeknownst to the crew, the repairs they had made to the ship, using spare parts from the other two waffles, had altered the ship's. They phased, traveled to the little town called Roswell, New Mexico, and phased back. But there was a problem. When they phased back into our dimension, instead of being mere moments, it was three years in the future. And Waffle O'Worm was in bad shape. The shielding that protected the men inside had been damaged during the repairs, and a small crack in the metaphatic sh- metaphasic fucking shit metaphasic shield barrier had allowed alternate dimensional phasic radiation into the cabin causing horrific deformations to the crew unable to pilot the old worm crashed in the field northwest of roswell 
The crews of the Tors and the Fern salvaged what they could from the craft, but the bodies of their fellow crewmen were too much for their small waffles, and besides that, they were completely irradiated. So, they left them behind. Fearing that the discovery of the wreckage would alert the U.S. that there were Nazi soldiers in their midst, the crew of Operation Come decided to lay low and no longer visit towns. Due to their lack of contact with any of the locals, they never realized that they had actually traveled forward into the future three years. They decided that it was too dangerous to continue with the mission, but fearing the wrath of Hitler, they decided to wait it out in the U.S., falsify their documents, and return to Germany on the original schedule. They had only one issue. Food. They had planned on purchasing food from small towns as they went along, but they had grown to love organ meat so much that they craved it. And since they were no longer able to purchase it, they had to get it the old-fashioned way, through butchery. As they traveled the sparsely habited middle of the country, they would phase into existence close to a herd of cattle. The wash of phasic radiation would have strange effects on the cattle, and usually at least one of them would die. Then the Nazis could go butcher the cow. They only wanted the organ meats. Their ships were too small to hold the entire cow, so they took the parts that they wanted and left the rest of the cow behind. Confounding ranchers. Each time the waffles would travel across distance, they would also travel across time, leaping forward in months and years with each day that they moved around. The Nazis of Operation Come are still out there today, traveling through time, leaping into our dimensions to grab a tasty snack, and then moving on. Their six-month mission has been going on for over 60 years now, but they still have no idea that the war is over. One day in the future, Operation Come will return to Germany only to discover that the man they feared has been dead for a long, long time, along with everyone they know and love. Now, you're saying to yourself that this all surely makes a great deal of sense, but I still have one more question about the cattle mutilation. Why are they taking the cow buttholes? Well, the answer is more mundane and disgusting than you can imagine. You see, the crew of Operation Come invented the Fleshlight. They are dirty, dirty boys who haven't seen a lady in quite some time and are in need of some of that good, good loving. All right, Isaac, thank you so much for that. Um, here's a fun synchronicity. Two days ago, I was just thinking to myself, self, we really should do an episode where we dive into the Nazi occultism, the the Nazi bell, the Wonder Waffle. The hold waffle. on, hold on. You've already messed up with your How? pronunciations. It's not Nazi, it's Nazi. Nazi, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not the Nazi Wunderwaffle, it's the Nazi Wonder Waffle. I want my Nazi scout. <laughs> Nazis. Yeah. So, hey, thank you uh, not only for sending it in, but for taking the time out of your day. <laughs> Your busy life to uh, do that entire. He's quite the body. character. We sure, appreciate. It. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a very very good friend of mine. We need to get together and have him on the yeah. show uh, I'd like as to well. Meet him. And uh, yeah, he's a good dude, man. He's the one that gave you that EDP yoga. I've got a I've got yeah. a plan for that now that I've got. I'm dwindling down on my possessions of excess oh, yeah. stuff, and I'm going to be able to have a space. I'm pretty sure in this room, actually, this small little room, 
I got a little monitor set up, and I've shit. got enough room for my yoga mat and my kettlebell shit. So, let oh, yeah. go. There we go. Cool. Well, Isaac, thanks a lot, man. We sure appreciate you. All right, so Stephen, why don't you just jump in with another story from yet another guy named Chris? Yeah, man, we got all we got, we, <laughs> got a lot of Chris's yeah, on this episode. All right, so uh, this is my this is my boy Chris. It's my favorite uh, Filipino Filipino pride. What up, man? Uh, so yeah, after he says after my father passed away, I was painting his room. His dog Jackson was on the bed. He sits up, looking at the door, wagging his little boxer nub of a tail. You know, all about that, Preston. I go back yeah. to painting then, clear as day, and I hear my dad's voice say, Hey, Jackson. It didn't scare me. I knew he would still be around from time to time. Then it hit me. I said, Dad, how are you going to say hi to Jackson and not me? LOL. He made it up there. He made <laughs> up for it later. And even now, he would do things to let me know he's still with me. My son, Dean, so damn cute, has even said he sees Lolomo. He is two. That's what he calls his, Chris's dad. Little grandpa. Yeah, he is two and a half. My dad has been gone almost 15 years now, and his nickname was Mo. What? Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, cute. That's crazy. Pretty awesome, oh, yeah. man. When I lived at my parents' house, uh, once in a while in the summertime, I'd get a really weird waft of, like, old man cologne when I was in the basement by myself. That brute. <laughs> kind of. I mean, maybe even, even older than that. Like... Uh, Cool, like club gentlemen, like the old like little cars and shit. That they, that little... Yeah, like the old Avon stuff, man. That real stinky shit that would kill mosquitoes. Yeah. yeah so my mom and I were both night owls. Probably a better way to put it is insomniacs. And uh, so I I could be up at you know two or three in the morning, um, reorganizing a bookshelf or watching TV or whatever. And I'd get this really just strange kind of waft of air, like a breeze. And on that breeze, you could smell old man cologne. And I think it used to, uh, it could have been my uncle Noel stopping by every once in a while to check on the family. Damn, that's crazy. Or it could have been a ghost yeah. just like crop dusting you with his old man cologne. The ghost of Avon's past. Yeah. All right, Presto, what do you got, man? You got some special stuff coming up for us. Yeah, I do. Um, so, you know, we talked about last episode about how we're always like fucking up like words and we can't pronunciate worth shit. Mm-hmm. So this next story, when we talked about it, Two episodes ago, um, I, I said that I, I it was from Mr. V, because I didn't want to give his full name, but basically I, I started the acupuncture process from a guy here in town, and he was introduced to me as Vinny, and he never corrected it, so I just automatically assume his name was Vinny, but it's actually Benny, so I, I mean, I guess I can't hear names correctly either let alone pronounce the things correctly it all goes back to that one moment that five fucking dollars <laughs> it all goes back to the pencil <laughs> so benny if you're listening i deeply apologize for calling you the you know the wrong name for like a week and a half especially after we bonded so i feel like a real dick about that anyways so he sent me in uh, two stories, and uh, the, the 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 first story takes place in the late seventies. Uh, Mr. B grew up in the five boroughs, so like the Bronx side of it. Anyways, in his apartment complex lived a Santeria and a fellow we will call Sanchito. Sanchito. 
just I I'm gonna tie this all back together. Just wait, cause it, it I I struck gold on this. Trust me. <laughs> okay. One day, the Santeria <laughs> felt like she needed an extra pep in her step, and she found Sanchito outside of his door, leaving for the day. Now, Sanchito was a smooth-looking dude, and she propositioned him for some boom boom. The the dark energy that surrounded this witch was making her look a little crusty, like bad. And uh, Sanchito figured if he said yes, he'd get a little more than an STD. So he said no. Fuck no. Hell no. Get the fuck away from me. I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot stick. And look, you don't say no to a witch. When she wants the D, you give her the D. (laughs) So anyway, she turned uh, poor Sanchito into a mindless zombie-like thing, and he blanked out for several days. And... This is kind of all jokes aside, this is where the part of the story becomes kind of dark and tragic because during that time frame, he ended up tossing his daughter out of the apartment window and killing her. And when he awoke from the days, several days later, he kept seeing her, seeking her out like, you know, where's my daughter? And he wasn't able to find her. Finally, he made it back to the apartment complex and approached a neighbor who informed him of what he did, which to this day, the apartment complex believes it was the result of the curse from the Santeria placed on him. Now we fast forward a couple years to the mid 80s and she's deadly sick. She's dying and the darkness is eating away at her. Mr. B and his family accompanying her to the hospital and uh, as she was dying on the hospital bed, he recalls that she was vomiting up this black tar-like substance that he could only Mm. describe as a mixture of death and feces before she finally passed away with regret and remorse in her eyes. That's crazy shit. Did you pronounce it feces? Feces, yeah. Feces. <laughs> shit. So she had death shit coming out yeah. of her body. So is this so is this folklore or is this something that he actually experienced? No, he actually so basically the the story of the guy throwing the girl out the window was kind of told to him, but then later on, like ten years later, he's actually taking this witch to the hospital because they were like next door neighbors. Yeah. And the family's like, fuck, I don't want this bitch to put a curse on me, so let's go help her out. And so he's in the oh, hospital okay, okay. room with her as she's so dying, he the she, the curse was just the little, you know satire. Yeah. Because But the th- he actually but he the apartment complex believed in that part of the story though and then he basically, you know, recounted to me that he believes in it because of what he saw as she was dying. Like mm-hmm. the stuff coming out of her was inhuman. Like there, yeah. it was just like you could tell that the the dark magic or the dark uh, Te- uh, uh, Tech Tech Nine, the rapper that I like a lot. He he's got like all he's got different characters and stuff and like different mythos within his within his music mm-hmm. and his art that he does. He has this thing called the Shroud. So basically, he says he's cursed by. Um, I don't know, just cursed is what he calls it. He's got songs about it. Mm-hmm. And when he gets rid of that shroud, that's what it is. It's like a black tar-like substance that he pukes out of his mouth. And then, like, it goes down all over his body. And it's like, oh, like that. And, like, he gets, like, succumbed to it. Ooh. And then slowly over, like, he does these things where, like, he um, he's always touring, always business, business, business. And then, like, he does, like, self-retreats. And that's when he gets rid of mm-hmm. that shroud is what he calls it. I don't know. But it, that, that's what it, it reminds me of that. But back to the lyrics of the Sublime song. Um, <laughs> I've listened to this song obviously a million times. And while it's not my favorite Sublime song, it's obviously the most popular one. 
one time I was listening to this song and my dad was like, why is he talking about Sancho? And I was like, what? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, well, in California, when he moved from Kansas to California before I was born, he went from like all white farmer boys to nothing but Hispanics <laughs> and African Americans and, you know, and, and every other culture you can see in, in California. But that was mainly in the area he was in that that's that's the, the culture that was there. So he learned like all these like little words and stuff like this and something massively in that community is a Sancho and where we know it is going to Taco Tico and get a Sancho burrito, right? <laughs> so a Sancho in that culture is when someone goes to um, say like a man and a woman are either together, like boyfriend, girlfriend, engaged, whatever, married, specifically married. The man goes to prison and when he's in prison a Sancho sneaks in the back door and gets, it's kind of like what the military people call Jody's Jody is the, the drill instructor. Jody's back home, giving her the D, you know, like that, like, you know, guys going in there and taking names of the situation, the same thing. So when you look, when you, and I'm almost positive, maybe I'm on it. It'd be cool if they, if like, if Bradley, when he's writing this knew about this type of lore or whatever, but it works for both. And that's, what's interesting about it is that it works for the curse from, from the Santeria, but also, like, you know, Mama's got a new forty-five. You best go run and hide because when <laughs> I get out, you're done. Like, you know, like, it, yeah. So it's pretty cool to see that them two. Yeah. Like, it blew my mind because I'm like, holy shit! I never thought about that. <laughs> Tell Sh- Sanchito that if he knows what's good for him, he best go run and hide. Mama's got a new forty-five, and I won't think twice to stick that curse straight down Sancho's throat. Believe me when I say that I got something for his punk ass. Nice. <laughs> well, that's not Mr. B's only encounter with the Santeria because his father dated one once and they broke up after a spell. His father moved on to another woman. Wait, like a real spell or just like a spell of time? Like, oh, they broke up a spell of time. <laughs> it's a play on words. I was being <laughs> cheeky there, Steve. <laughs> Listen, the guy snorts pencil, Steve. Give him a break. I might not be able to pronounce words right, but I'm a cheeky motherfucker when I need to be. His father moved on to another woman, a.k.a. Mr. B's mom, and she was overcome with jealousy. Like, man, I can't believe this dude left me for that bitch. So the witch placed a curse on her when she found out that Mr. B's mom was pregnant with him. So she started to, like, six months into the pregnancy, seven months into the pregnancy, she started to to bleed profusely. Like, she's vomiting out blood, coming out of his ears, coming out of her nose. And she was about to lose the baby when a last-ditch effort from a spiritual healer cleansed his mom of the dark energy and put a protection aura around him so no further harm could come from the jealous witch. So with those two experiences, totally on board with uh, Santeria's. Wow, that's crazy. Don't fuck with that shit. No kidding, huh? Yeah. That reminds me a little bit of that story that... uh... We got from a listener years ago about how there was the bird witch, uh, La Llorona, was that what it was? Yeah. La Lachusa, that's what it was. The the bird witch that lived up in the trees and how that guy had gotten cursed by his uh, ex-wife or ex-girlfriend and they found like the jar of like an egg and urine in the jar underneath his bed and he was getting all sick and stuff oh, like that. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we got one last one here. Preston, if you want to start it off, and I will tell the second half. Are we uh, name dropping on this one? Yeah, I mean, we can say first name. Cool. Yeah. Uh, this is from a Crystal called Haunted Theater 
I was hanging out in the lobby and one of the last shows let out. The exit was propped open with this kind of doorstop onto the concrete sidewalk. So the last people to leave the theater for the show was my ex-boyfriend's little sister. Me being the nosy motherfucker I am was trying to figure out who she was on a date with, so I watched them leave. She was breaking that neck to see, what? <laughs> I know in my soul that one, they were the last people out of the theater, and two, when they walked out of the doors, they were still propped open. But when I got done rubber necking, hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, went to ask my manager friend if he knew who she was with, both doors were closed. I was like, what the fuck? They, those were both open. And my friend was pretty nonchalant about, yeah, why do you think I'm always asking you to come and hang out with me? Creepy shit happens here. Dude, theaters are fucking weird. Oh, yeah. Like, even even yeah. like the really commercial ones, man. Like, once the lights are off, that's big, mm-hmm. empty, empty, very huge rooms echoing of everything. Yeah. That's weird, man. Oh yeah, I uh, I'm really bummed out because there's a local historical theater here uh, in our Wichita area that we had a pretty awesome in yeah. with, and then unfortunately the manager stepped down, um, which you know good for her, she's probably happier. Yeah. But uh, she gave me a tour of said theater, and it's rad. It's it's really neat, and uh, I'm hoping to at least get some stories from her, and maybe the previous manager because I have the beginnings of another. Uh, haunted theater story that was sent to us. I asked for uh, more details and more examples of the stuff that went on. So technically I have another haunted theater story, but I have to sit on that and let it cook for a minute because they're going to elaborate more and send us, you know, uh, a beefier story coming up. This is your number one podcast for haunted theater sightings. (laughs) Got that shit on lock. Right. So this is the second half of her story then, or the second story. My second fucking freaky moment. There were two projection booths. Screen 1 and 2 shared a booth, and Screen 3 had its own. Screen 3 was the same size and layout as 1 and 2, but the energy in there when it was empty was just bad. So I'm in the booth for Screen 3, watching him wind up the film, and we both hear this high-pitched little kid laughter. Mm Mm-mm. Hell no. (laughs) He thought we'd left the TV on in the lobby, and it was playing trailers. He asked me to go turn it off. Y'all both know the damn TV was already off. (laughs) So I go tell him the fucking creepy news. He looks at me, goes a little pale, tosses the dust cover over the film, and as we are heading into the other booth, he tells me to wind up the film for screen one while he does too. I'd watched him wind up the film a ton of times, but never touched anything but the dust cover because that shit is expensive. So I fumbled through winding up the film the best I could, heated screen two, and then helped me finish screen one. And then we jetted. Fucking nope. Occasionally, a group of us would hang out in the theater after closing. We'd all go sit down in one row together and be as quiet as humanly possible. Like, just the sound of six people breathing. And eventually, we'd hear footsteps running up and down the aisles on the outside of the seats. That part was carpeted, and under the seats was concrete, so it was definitely a different sound than someone could make sitting. 
Holy shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, theaters are creepy, man. I don't care if they're new or old. Those things Damn. are just... Ugh. That was awesome, Crystal. Thank you. By the way, I loved how you wrote that because yeah, it's like she wrote it like telling us like in person, like, and then our comments, uh-huh. nope, nope, get the fuck out of here. Like, that's <laughs> awesome, man. That yep. was great. Well, that kind of wraps up the listener stories for episode one fifty. Hell yeah! You guys got anything else to add? Any other tidbits or, or memories? That some of these stories may have stirred up. I don't just give uh, all the shout outs to all the all listeners sent everything in. So proud of you guys. Yep. Um, yeah. We and thanks for all the support you guys you guys do for us, for real. Yeah, honestly. I mean, it's been over four years now, and it's just been a fun little hobby for us. And the fact that, you know, things are blowing up. We've got international listeners that not only listen, but have also written in to us. Mm-hmm. Um, just all sorts of great stuff. So, again, the fact that, you know, more than just our friends listen yeah. in itself as a feat and, and blows me away. And so then we really got an insider it. to Skinwalker Ranch. So fuck all you yeah. other like C-list podcasts. Can't even get that. Like, can't touch this. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, that is a pretty big blockbuster for us. And also, I can't say the details yet, but we've got a pretty badass true crime interview coming up. Um, and I hate to be vague because I hate when people are vague. We've got some pretty badass stuff lined up. I'm waiting uh, to get a copy of a book sent to us, and then our friend John is getting a copy sent, and then uh, we're going to have a pretty badass interview. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm -hmm, Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Really badass interview about a very notorious killer. Uh, in the U.S., so I'm fucking excited. Again, I don't want to say it's an exclusive, but right. it's pretty That's, fucking big yeah, for us. Yeah, it sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> you so, want, again, fuck you all, see list podcast. You guys want another exclusive? Exclusive. Yeah. All right. What do you got? So, I'm currently in the hunt. Um, I'm either going to get it done, do it myself with one of my friend's machines. If not, I'm going to at least get one from me. And you too, as a gift. Custom mm-hmm. slip mat with our logo for our re- vinyl record players. What? Really? Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> it's going to be tight. Oh, that's th- so that's why you want that file, huh? You, you asked me yep. back. Yeah, I'll email you that, by the yeah, way. Yeah, dude. Tomorrow. So, so yeah, if, that's, that's freaking um, awesome. Dude. If that's something else out there that a listener, if you guys are into vinyl and you would want that, let us mm-hmm. know. We can Because if the more I order, you know, it'll be cheaper, so. I think that'd be pretty fun yeah, Fun to do true. something like that. We're going to get some other type of been mm-hmm. kicking around some ideas for merch. Definitely uh, some, like maybe like a koozie or a, a shirt and stuff like that. We got, yeah. We got um, fucking postcards. Yeah, postcards <laughs> yeah, that's would be true. Um, we should go ahead and mention that. Uh, we're about ready to do some pre-orders on T-shirts. That's how we're going to launch them, by doing pre-orders. Um, we've already got a printer lined up, ready to go. I just need to basically just make the announcement. So keep an eye out for that in the next couple weeks. Um, I'll be on vacation next week. Well, I guess we're recording this on the 30th mm-hmm. of June, splitting it into two parts. So um, probably after, maybe around the 15th, uh, if everything lays where it should we should start taking pre-orders for t-shirts um koozies and some other merchandise so man pixelated paranormal delivering them stacks on stacks on stacks yeah (laughs) stacks there we go cool well again guys thanks for a a really awesome four years and and steve and presto thank you guys too man and rob 
um, just for uh, for doing this, man. It's a ton of fun. Yeah. I I really enjoy it. Uh, and we're not fucking done just because we're at 150. Listen, motherfuckers, we still got at least a solid. 500 more episodes of cryptid encounters, alien anal probes, <laughs> weird time travel stories. Oh. You fucking name it. We're going to fucking just dig that shit from the bottom of the barrel to deliver it just for you, the listeners, because we love you guys. You know what? Speaking of, uh, that's my dog snoring. Speaking of paranormal smut, back on episode, <laughs> what was it? 145. Uh, we talked about Brad Bradshaw. Wasn't that the name <laughs> yeah. of the, the, the husband of the woman who yeah, was carried yeah, away yeah. by Bigfoot? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Chelsea reached out to us and said, guys, this guy's a lawyer here in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> Brad Bradshaw, specialized medical training, MD, JD, LC. <laughs> we got we to gotta call him, dude. Yeah, exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. You're live on the. Feed. Yeah, I, he's got a lot more alphabet behind his name than I do, so I'm not gonna call him. Yeah, <laughs> come on, Brad, tell us about your wife Betty. What happened? Her sweet, sweet pie. She she got that one look at Bigfoot's Johnson and said, "No more, Brad." That poor yeah. bastard. I wonder if anybody's ever called yeah. him and asked him that. I really doubt he even knows it, or anybody else has ever read that story. <laughs> That's fucking nuts. Oh, shit. Well, speaking of nuts, let's plug some stuff and go ahead and get on up out of here, boys. Check us out on Instagram, PXL Paranormal. Um, Follow us on there. Look at the visual notes, visual aid, whatever you want to call it. We also post other things on there, too. Uh, Check us out on Facebook, Pixelated Paranormal Podcast on there. Um, Share it, you know, like it, whatever. Give us some reviews on iTunes, honest reviews if you'd like. Uh, that always helps us out. And we yeah, really does. appreciate you. Perfect. And then also shout out to all the new uh, new followers on the Facebook page. Yeah. That thing just continues to uh, trickle on down and expand. So welcome, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming by. Send us your scary stories. Mm-hmm. And rate and review us on iTunes, motherfuckers. Don't forget that. That's a very important part. Go over there mm-hmm. and give us four stars, five stars. We prefer five, but we'll take four. Hell, we'll even take three. If you give us one, go fuck yourself. But we're at least a four-star podcast. <laughs> I always say give honest reviews. A man. If people... Yeah. A man yeah, for the people. If people if, I always say give honest reviews because if somebody wants to rate sure. one, I'm not going to make them do what I... You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to make them feel bad for how they want to rate us. Yeah, no, if let us know, man. If, yeah. if we're doing something wrong, let us know. We've already had people reach out and remind us to be more uh i hate to say the word woke because i'm a grumpy mm-hmm. old man but uh reminding us to be more sensitive but the pro the, but the um, thing is with that is us. that like i think because we acknowledge that and we do we do do a sure. lot I and mean, we did it this this past this episode in the last hell we do it every episode actually mm-hmm. we are we are sensitive <laughs> we are sensitive to the stuff that we do like because we want to we, we question ourselves, yeah. and I think as long as people do that and they continue to, yeah. to do that, then you are, in a sense, mm-hmm. the woke because you're, you're, you're changing your thought process. You're changing your thought pattern to be more sensitive to things around you. That's how I look at it. I'm not going to be perfect. Yeah. I'm going to say right. shit that's well, going to offend somebody, and that's just how it's going to be. And it's going to sure. be that to the day until the day I die. 
And sometimes some of the stuff, the topics that we cover, they're from a, a time period mm-hmm. where, like, it, it's relevant for us to, you know, use certain accents or say certain things because it, it really helps give the setting to the time period so you can understand, like, how that paranormal interaction, you know, took yeah. place and how it related to the those those people during those times. So there are times where, where yes, it, the the subjects are a little shaky, but you know we're not trying to be insensitive. But that's kind of goes hand in hand with recanting folklore and history that you kind of got to mm-hmm. kind of got to touch upon some yeah. of that sometimes. So yeah, but never. I mean, we'll never we'll never hit the, the unforgivables ever. You know, I've I've edited a few things here and there, and uh, you know we wouldn't be that mindful had it not been for a couple listeners reaching out and uh, giving us a little slap on the back of the head saying hey so yeah we appreciate that let us know if we're doing something wrong we can't get it better unless we know yeah word up word up and also check out the rest of the shows on the pixelated sausage network check out mark's show pixelated sausage check out his attack the backlog check out if you're an anime fan and amazingly baka i'm sure he'd appreciate that let's see what else Gosh, I feel like it's been forever since we recorded, and it really hasn't been. Mm, cool. All right, Preston, what do you got for us? And as always, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow the best damn Sanchito beard that you could ever <laughs> grow, STD witch-free beard that's just luscious and soft and smooth, check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order. And even though right now you can't get scents like, you know, Ghost Swag, Bigfoot uh, Swizzle, (laughs) you know, whatever else that we've come up with, they're going to (laughs) happen one of these days, maybe. I don't know. But in the meantime, Sweet Tobacco, Bay Rum, uh, Citrus, Classic, mint, fresh, that's where it's at. So get it all, get it at Dobbs. And then if you're local, check out www.cutsbycolin.com. Go get your hair did. Ask for the razzle dazzle. Your mind will be amazed. Your hair will look great. And then if you're a little, you know, tight, you need some muscles relaxed, go check out Benny over at Three Pillars Health. Get some acupuncture done. Look amazing. Feel amazing. Thank Pixelated Paranormal. There you go. There you go. And you mentioned the Razzle Dazzle, right? Yeah, and the Razzle Dazzle. Perfect. Awesome. All right. If you're in need of getting anything printed, please go check out our friends Fast Print down at Harry and Rock here in Wichita. And also, if you're running out of things to watch, you got to put your mask on, stop on down at CD Trade Post at Pawnee and Seneca, and say hi to our good, good friend Leslie and the rest of the gang down there. Get yourself some new Blu-rays, DVDs. They got lots of great horror movies in there. T-shirts. And some real fun titles. Leslie actually just uh, gave me this little gem right here to check out. It's called Claude, the Legend of Sasquatch. The missing link (laughs) has been found. (laughs) She would and she did. (laughs) She also gave me Night of the Demon, which is an old-ass Bigfoot film uh, you can watch. I think it might be even streaming on Prime right now. But Yep. Oh, yeah. She's always got her eye on the lookout for something, something bizarre for us, so. Cool. All right. Again, guys, thank you all for following us, for supporting us, listening, sending us in the support and the listener stories for the last four years. And uh, just be safe out there, guys. Heck yeah. yeah. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. And remember all you ghosts and goblins, stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway.
And cheers to the weird shit in the world and those of us that love to talk about it. And those of you who like to write us about it as well. And thank God we didn't do any smut. (laughs) (laughs) At least this time around. That's true. Oh, yeah. We still got to work out the details on that. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.